ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the sample. Back to the sample. I'm proud to have on the president of the Hotep Nation, Mr. Doe Dubs. Doe, thanks for coming on, man. I, I wanted to have you on today, and we and we're gonna get into. It. We were we were talking before I hit record. And I was like, oh, I gotta I gotta slam the brakes. Um, Doe's really hitting on some some heavy stuff here, but. Uh, as everyone knows who listens to this show, I'm a big advocate of profit first, and it's really helped me kind of get my business in line. And then, but I've always struggled with like, okay, what do I do with the money that I that I pay myself with, and how do I keep that structured? How do I keep that budgeted? And um, you know, the thing that I, I really liked number one, so I, I found you from Hotep Jesus and uh, Uncle Hotep and Maj Ray. And uh, I, f- I bought your book, and then I read it, and I was like, man, this is so good, because I don't have to filter through how much you love Jesus like I would when I tried to read four Dave Ramsey books. And it's just very simple. And also, like, there's there's so many things getting into it, but, um, you know, one thing that I really, what we were kind of talking about was just, was was a cultural thing, and I, and it's, and I'm, and I'm it's glad that you, you uh, helped me not feel like... You helped me feel like I could talk about it because I, whenever I try talking about it, like culture and culture, like similar cultures of Appalachia and like whites in Appalachia versus like inner city uh, black culture, and I'm like they're similar, and it's like man, people people really get offended, and then I have to talk them down, and I have to try to explain history, and I have to say, look, these two people have been pinned against each other for a very long time. And it was it was a relief when you're like, yeah, man, just read black or black rednecks, white liberals. So I was like, oh, thank God. Of course, you guys have read Thomas Sowell. Like, yeah, man, it, it's for sure. And um, just just at the top of the show, my name is Doe Dubes. No oh, Dubes, um, my bad. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, man. So what I've I've noticed it's it's um it's a it's a social and a, like a cultural fear that people have. When it comes to telling the truth about certain things that are touchy, everybody has their threshold, right? Everybody loves to talk about, like, everybody has no problem blaming Bush for like 9 11 and all this other stuff. But when you start getting into the nitty gritty of like American culture and how, when you look at the, the birth of the nation, and I'm not talking about in like Nat Turner way, I'm just saying as far as the way the nation was broken up in the beginning. It was like 11 different nations, all different parts of Europe, and it was all different cultures throughout the entire continent or the entire country. And then you fast forward, you have a culture between, uh, let's just say, low income or low education whites coming from the Isles of Europe and, and England and things of that nature. And they've migrated towards the South. Now, this same culture... um is where you get, you know, your redneck culture, right? Yeah. Now, my at people. the time, yeah, at the time, ninety <laughs> percent, right, right. At the time, ninety percent of Black Americans lived in this place. So when we're talking about just cultural, cultural, just um, significance, you're going to have that rub off on each other. That's just what happens, and that's just, and likewise of the North. There was racism and, and bad things going on up north uh, to a lesser degree, just because one, it was lesser amount of black people there. And the assimilation was, um, it was, you know, it was violent, but it wasn't as violent. Right. So all of these things, they make, um, they make for a nuanced history. They make for, um, something that you can't just pin on black and white. And when you start talking like this, people get scared because there's beliefs, uh, beliefs that people have held on to their entire lives that would be rattled or shake, sh- uh, shaken completely or removed completely if they actually looked at the nuance. That's something that I actually look forward to, though. See, that was the thing. My, I actually enjoy to have my, my bubbles burst. Learning the truth about things that I believe uh, was one thing and actually learning the truth about it, I get excited about that. So it wasn't a slight against me uh, or my personal convictions to learn that, yeah, more than a lot of other um societal problems culture means a lot and all you have to do is just look at certain cultures in different income levels and you'll see that okay they still stick amongst each other no matter how much money they make they still shop with each other no matter how much money they make they still you know what i'm saying there's still cultural um things that take place that doesn't allow them to deviate from the individual and collective success of themselves in their community. And that's what I want my people 
and Americans, period, to start taking more advantage of. And that's the bottom, you know, of, you know, the whole thing I was talking about as far as like group economics and things of that nature. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I, I, um, I agree. I think that, um, you know, and, and I think we kind of have a similar history we're kind of getting to, and I want to get into it because I know, um, I kind of started out in an activist fashion and then I quickly shifted to like, well, no, man, if I want to make a difference, I got to take ownership. And I got to get, you know, I got to, I have to change my relationship with certain things in life, like food, money, what I'm doing with my money. And it sounded like something similar for you, um, just based on I, that brief video I saw when you were talking at the um, Black Guns Matter event that Uncle Hotep posted. Right. That's true, man. I mean, you have to take stock in what your life is about, man. And you'll, you'll find that, yo, what I'm doing with my, time what i'm doing with my mind and what i'm doing with my body directly affects what you do with your finances what i noticed is that when i was fat and out of shape and broke all of those correlated i would eat things that would be depressing a bunch of sugar a bunch of soy a bunch of you know meat with antibiotics in it a whole bunch of things that was not good for my body that made me feel even worse about myself because we all know that pretty much your gut is your second brain. You know what I'm saying? So when you have a polluted gut, when you have a, a messed up uh, insides, your external moods are affected as well. So now you're thinking lower of yourself. You have left confidence. Your testosterone levels go down. A lot of people don't want to talk about that, too. When you have a bunch of fat in your body, you, your testosterone levels drop dramatically. So... You start to notice that the food that you're buying is relatively cheap and you're able to buy more and more of it. It accumulates very fast, just like the pounds accumulate very fast. So what happens is you'll look at how much you've eaten, how much you've spent, and you'll see, wow, like I spent when we just talk about unnecessary expenditure, not, you know, everybody needs to eat. Right. But. When we're talking about the unnecessary snacks, the unnecessary times you got up and went across the street or down the street and got a hoagie or whatever. All of those times where you were not hungry, but you bought food, that stuff adds up. And from the stats, it adds up to about $5,400 a year. The average consumer, the average American wastes $5,400 a year, and it's about 75% of that is spent on food. And then when you get into the fact that we already waste billions of pounds of food every year, anyway, look how much money we're just literally throwing away. So that was a huge catalyst for me because I lost a lot of weight. I started transitioning from the foods that I ate from processed stuff that was going to keep me fat and keep me unhealthy to fresh foods, stuff that came out of the ground. You understand? Absolutely. What's um? What kind of sh yeah. like? What did you read, or what kind of made you uh, shift? Like, what what was the thing that kind of like um, catapulted you to go in this direction? Outside of always wanting to have a farm since I was a kid, always loving animals and watching Animal Planet and things like that. You already like you have like this subconscious level of husbandry when you grow up with that when you watch discovery channel national geographic and all that other stuff because you see the animals needing the crops and the crops needing the people and etc cetera, etc cetera. so what it was after i went through you know my entire life and then um i like you said we had similar beginnings it was more of an activist thing so i was angry i was angry at what was going on everybody's telling me about the you know racial wealth gaps everybody's telling me about how black uh, black women uh, severely unhealthy as far as the, the stats, uh, um, preventable diseases, heart disease, cancer, breast cancer, you name it. You, you know, black women are you know off the charts on all of these things. So I'm getting inundated with all of these problems. So I just started literally looking for solutions. And I found uh, people like Claude Anderson. I found people like Layla Africa, who was a, a holistic doctor. Of course, Dr. Sabi, who uh, and um, Queen Afua. Uh, young lady project rook these are all health people um well claude anderson was more finance but these are the other people were all health holistic health teachers and practitioners and they've healed themselves and others from using natural um substitutes and then at the same time i moved to philadelphia in 2014 so around the same time i had got a job at a local uh grocer 
and they sold it was like a you know one of those health food stores so they sold all of the you know the high you know with a vegan shop right it's like it's pretty yeah. much like a local type trader joe situation but they actually had like plaques on the wall where they beat trader joe's and whole foods and all of that uh when it came to their goods when it came to their service and all of that and uh, which you know, which is really not hard to do, which a lot of people don't get. <laughs> like you're paying right, a lot right. of money for food that still isn't that good. So right, it's a huge market that people can get into. It's just people are intimidated because of the uh, monopoly like presence Amazon and you know all these other companies have. But it's 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 popping. This is this store. Um, the store is called Moms. It was based out in Maryland actually. But um, I worked there. And so I'm surrounded by, you know, let's be honest, like hippies and stuff like that now. So I'm, I'm learning all about all of the vegan stuff. I'm learning all about plant-based stuff. And then I'm surrounded by, you know, a bunch of products, who, you know, that are more uh, particularly healthy for me. And then I get an employee discount on top of that. So I was able to learn and then immediately implement all of the things that I was learning. Shortly after that, because of the store, we store seeds. Shortly after that, about a year later, we started. I, I built an entire, you know, we looked at the backyard and I built a garden. We started growing our own foods. So that's what that turned into. And then on the finance tip, it was, like I said, Dr. Claude Anderson. Even in the very beginning, people like Dr. Umar Johnson was instrumental in, in, in leading me to certain other channels. Um, Sonetta TV, is, it, was, it was a black empowerment based YouTube channel that in the very beginning I learned a lot from. Um, and these people told me, um, even... Um, Tahuti Ma'at, another health group. He's also on the finance side. There was a DVD that I watched called um, Urban Kryptonite that talked about um, the health and wealth. Then there was another DVD that I watched called 7 a.m. that was strictly talking about black American economics and how, you know, gentrification works and how all of this stuff. So I had this knowledge ever since, you know, 2014, 2015, 2016. And then, of course, entrepreneurship. My wife and I, we started Lola and Doe in 2015 as well. We celebrated our four-year anniversary just this past 420. Um, so this is the era. This is where I started to, you know, just pretty much be way more solution-based because I saw how much complaining hurt me personally. And that's what it... I, I didn't get the I didn't get the fame. I didn't get the accolades for complaining like other people did. When I got on the timeline and was complaining because I was a grown man and I never complained about this type of stuff before, my peers and the people that I associated with was like, yo, what are you talking about? It wasn't until it became super popular that those same people became, you know, professional victims and, and whatnot. But in the very beginning, it looked crazy for me to complain. So it, it, it was kind of easy for me to go to the solution. Now, not so much. But that's why I'm here. And that's why I have five years on these people. And that's why I'm here disseminating this information now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I put the legwork in to be able to help others. And that's all. Yeah. The one thing I really liked... Um when you got more into the hustle. So I kind of want to break down. Um, I don't want to give too much of your book away because I want people to buy it. Um, but you, you, you have percentages set up for like housing, uh, groceries, bills, clothing, emergency savings. Now, do you do like, do you just set up? So one thing I do, and this is what I just did yesterday was cause I already had a bunch of, um, so I was, when I was doing profit first, so you set up multiple bank accounts and like I'll have like one checking account, but you can have a bunch of savings accounts and you can kind of create an envelope system with, with bake, with uh, bank accounts. And I, that's what I do at my credit unit. Now, do you do the envelope system or do you do, or do you do something? Yeah, I do, I, I do it digitally. I just have a bunch of accounts. Yeah. So, um, I believe you got the first edition to stop being poor. Correct. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's forty-seven pages. Stop being poor. The easy. Yeah, yes, that's the first edition. Okay. So, um, in the second edition, I actually have, you know, how I break down this having several bank accounts for pretty much every expense. Cool. Like, you really can't have too many bank accounts. Well, credit union, I I prefer credit unions where people you know have banks and things of that nature. But yeah, yeah having having um credit union accounts, bank accounts that you can um put money in for whatever reason, whether it be for housing expenses, whether it be for emergencies, uh, whether it be for vacations, whether, whatever it is, you'll a you're able to allocate those funds. And the reason why I tell people to do that is because you don't confuse your money. A lot of people, you know, have one bank account for literally everything in their lives. So one, you know, you'll get Netflix and then your electric bill and then uh, your business and then your investments is like you have all of these things coming out. 
and it, it causes too much traffic. So what you want to do, you want to redirect traffic. And this allows more clarity in your finances because you'll know exactly where things are going. So you'll have a, you know, a, a personal account. Then you'll have an account for your bills. Then you'll have an account for, you know, insurance or in other, um, you know, debts and things of that nature. So you'll you'll have a clear, concise view of where your money is going. Because when the reason why that's important is because when you don't, that's how people get um, bogged down with pending charges. That's how they get bogged down with getting into debt, having overdrawn accounts because too much money is going out. Not enough is coming in and nobody knows when, what day anything is coming in. You got all of these different things coming out of the account at one time and you have no organization. So slow down, organize your funds, have things specific, directed going to specific accounts so that way you'll know what's going on. Yeah, I um, that's helped me out a ton with my business. And one thing that I just uh, like when I just got back onto it, like it, it was hard because I I was trying to just spend thirty percent of the revenue each month, and that was like okay, I can only grow within this thirty percent. And then it was one of those things where I was like, screw this, I want to get this moving. So I quit. I got off my system, and man, once you get off a system, it's like you you put yourself in bad spots. You remember why you got on that system in the first place, and it's um. So it, it's it's one thing for me that uh it it's been um it's been a bit of a challenge, and I think that um. But I think a lot of it too is, you know, I I just lose. It's like sometimes I'll be really disciplined, and then I just lose discipline, and then everything just becomes chaos, and and then it's like okay, well I know what to do, so um. But I think for me, the biggest thing was I was trying to figure out, um, I wanted my business to kind of pay for everything. And I was trying to figure out a best way to do that. And so then it, it just, and then it just, I start, you know, personal expenses start getting too mixed in with business expenses. And then I was just kind of like, it was clouding up my finances in a sense. So um, and then I, when I found your book, it's like, oh man, I just need more bank accounts. Like I just need to re, I need to use all <laughs> these bank accounts I have here, and uh, because it's it's it is like it, it it makes things so much simpler because it's like okay, well I have to go make more money because I need more of this twenty five percent, so I right. need to go make more money, and then you're just and then you're just focusing on that twenty five percent, and then you're like. Holy shit! You look at all your other accounts. You're like, oh man, I actually have a decent amount of money. All of this money, yeah, yeah. All of this other money that that's been stacking, and that's the reason why I'm so adamant about automation. Like I love it, like the the digit app and things of that nature that just automatically takes it out of my account. Man, I love it because I don't have to worry about it, and because I am pretty good at making money. Like you know what I'm saying? I just <laughs> you know to my own home. Like I have, I'm not uh, financially you know insecure at all. So I'm I'm. I can focus more on making more money every day because yeah. I have a bunch of robots putting it here, putting it there, and and it's taken care of. And at any time, it could be withdrawn, right? And you know, I guess the longest I have to wait is about five, you know, uh, business days. But that, I'm not interested in that. I'm not really big on withdrawals in my younger years. Like I, I'm really using this time now, my youth now, to really just aggressively attack my finances, aggressively uh, avoid debt aggressively you know invest aggressively stack aggressively earn because that's what it's going that's what it's going to serve me when I, in 10 years when i'm going to be turning 40 and i'll be able to you know relax and and do stupid gary v videos you understand so that's <laughs> that's the reason why i'm doing it so when, when you're talking about the system sticking to the system is so important consistency and discipline if you you listen to any you know Finance guru Warren Buffett, any one of these people, they'll always tell you the same. They always tell you the same thing: consistency. Just keep doing it. Do not stop the plan. Discipline your dollars. It's always just keep dollar cost averaging. Keep doing it. Do not stop. It's just like fitness, and I will get into how finance and fitness are literally the same thing uh, later on in the discussion. But yeah, it's just like fitness. Just stick to it. Stick to your regimen, and you will build wealth. Now, so with the the debt, so you have a couple different options in your book that i liked and i i don't have a ton of debt but i'm trying to figure out what the best way is and like and i and honestly like i've just been making minimum payments and then sometimes i'm late and then i just started looking at my statements and it's like 
They charged me forty fucking dollars for being late, and this is already a high interest credit card. Right. I was like, man, I'm throwing away money here. What what strategy worked best for you? Like, did you go for your your highest? Because there's different strategies, and you you list them in there in the book. Um, but what what strategy kind of worked best for you? Did you just attack the highest interest card and try to get yeah, that? Yeah. Well, see the the um, and this is full disclosure. Uh, one of the things that I was um actually blessed to um not do was accumulate much debt in my in my younger years. Mm-hmm. Like so. I only got one credit card, and I got one credit card when I was in my twenties. I think it was like twenty thirteen, and um, I only got a credit card because I was stranded in another state. Because the money I thought I was going to make while I was out there didn't happen, didn't pan out. That's the type of stuff that I was into. It's <laughs> like just being <laughs> entrepreneur, traveling to different states, and I was out in Michigan or whatever. So um, I was stranded. You know what I'm saying? Keep it hundred. I was stranded, so I, I got a credit card to pay for my plane ticket to go back home. It was like one of those Capital One joints. It was like a three hundred dollar, you know, limit or whatever, right? So I pretty much spent the entire um, maxed it out, right? And for the next like year and a half, two years, I hated it because I was like, all right, this is my first credit card, right? Um, so I'm doing, I know, I don't know what a cash advance is for real, like you know, I'm so I'm going to random ATMs in the hood, putting this credit card in there, and I don't know that they're charging me ten dollars on top of. The money I'm taking out, I, I do not care. Like, I'm not even paying attention. So it, it racked up to about, long story short, like racked up to about like $600, like $900. And I I just paid that off. The only, And I paid that off just, you know, over time. Like I said, it took me about you know, a year and a half, two years. I just paid it off. Um, And my other level of debt that I got was student loan debt. And again, it was kind of unconventional because I did not go to school for a degree. I went to school for debt, honestly. I went to school to get the, the, the financial aid. So my relationship with debt since young was to, I knew to stay away from it. I didn't like owing people. Just the principle of debt, I just don't like it. I don't like owing people money. So what I did, yeah, I just attacked, you know, for what I've been doing, I've just been attacking the highest interest. And then, you know, um, going down from there. So, of course, I got the credit card out the way um, because I was the highest interest. And I'm I'm completely credit card debt free. I don't have a credit card. Um, And I'm getting rid of this student loan debt as we speak. So that's where I'm at with that. And that's what I would, you know, um, encourage everybody else to do. Just uh, the snowball effect. You know what I'm saying? You can either, you know, avalanche or snowball. And, um. You know, choose one of those. Those are the pretty much your top two choices. I don't suggest too many other options because it gets a little bit too complicated. Either debt snowball or debt avalanche, and you'll be out of debt. Just stick to it and, and stay consistent. Excellent. Um, let's see. We talked about shopping, local foods. Um, man, I wanted to transition to something. Oh, bartering. This is a question I had for you. You guys have your soap business. You guys are artisans. Um, do you guys sell at farmers markets? Like I was curious about that. Or do you just we do, do we do uh, we do festivals? Okay, like during the, the the spring and summer months, we go around um, the tri-state area. You know, uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, you know, Maryland, and things of that nature. Sometimes, and we just you know set up and we go to these festivals. and have a great time. You know, we go to the Green Fest Festival in Philly every year. Um, and it's a great time. We be able to connect with the consumer. You know, we get to talk to other uh, artisans and other entrepreneurs. Um, and you get to network a lot. And that pretty much goes into what we're talking about as far as, as far as bartering. Yeah. You know, entrepreneurs don't understand a lot of the time what equity is. They don't understand the type of leverage that they have with their business, even in a, in a in the beginning stages. A lot of people believe they have to be like Amazon to be able to offer equity of their business or offer a piece of their business for a good or a service. So, you know, for instance, I've done this plenty of times. I've traded soap for goods and services before. Like that's, I mean, it only makes sense. You know what I'm saying? So if you're good at something and you know, you need something from somebody who also is good at something, work out a system where you guys can pay each other and and you may not even need money. Now money is always great. You know what I'm saying? But when you when you're dealing with things like an equity debt agreement where you're like, OK, instead of me, uh, you know, 
asking for $10,000. I'll give you $10,000 worth of my business in exchange. And as my business grows, the, the profits and the revenues from my business will be able to pay off the debt without having to sink my entire business and sink your entire bank account. And it works this way if you do it correctly and you have you know a solid business plan and stuff like that. But just even on a more simpler level, if I make soap and you know you make you know hairbrushes or whatever, we can pay for a set amount of soaps. You can give me a, a set amount of hairbrushes, and I can we can sell each other's goods. And well, even this, happen. if if I saw you at the same market, I would definitely say, "Hey, Doe, I got some microgreens here. How many microgreens would it take? How many packages of microgreens would it take for me to get some of your awesome soap?" And that right. and that would just be. I, I think for me, farmers markets and bartering is just, it's huge. Cause it's just like, yes, I would love to barter and I, I barter my, um, eggs. I, I, I need to probably get some chickens here to deal with my soil waste, but it's like, man, I don't really want to deal with the chickens. And my buddy has really good organic non GMO feed that he feeds these chickens. So these are good eggs. Um, so I, we just work out a trade. It's like, I give him a few pounds of microgreens, and he gives me some eggs, and it's uh, and it's it, it's a nice thing. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, I no, that's just... it's a pre- way better example than soap and hairbrushes. So, it's, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, but that's exactly how it works, though, man. And you know, I, I do it all of the time, and I definitely encourage you know entrepreneurs who you know are afraid to you know put themselves out there to ask for things. Or to be like, yo, this guy is really good at making a website, but I don't have any money to pay him. You know, what can I do? Barter your services. What can you do for that website designer that nobody else can do? And you can do it well, and you can get your website designed. He can get whatever um, service or good that you offer, and you guys are great. And then, not only that, you guys have established a relationship. So when it time, when it's time to think about investing in each other, that will be one of your first candidates because you guys already have that relationship. And that's that's very important. Absolutely. Um, next one that I really liked, and I think that um, I managed to do negotiate. I managed to pull up some negotiations with my bills, um, just because I was like, "There's no freaking way I'm going back to corporate America." Um, mm-hmm. But that was a part you have in there, and this is something too that I don't think our generation necessarily understands that in the in the coming future economy. <laughs> Where I'm a big, uh, I'm a big, I don't think wages, the wage economy, I mean, it's always going to be around, but I think you need to look to be more entrepreneurial because I think that's what people want. People want face to face interactions again. Obviously, you need to learn how to sell stuff on the internet too. Um, I think you need to be well rounded, but learning to negotiate is just, it's such an important skill. Have you read Never Split the Difference by uh, Chris Voss? No, no. It's a it's a good book. He's a I'm I'm going to try to get him on the show too. He's a he was a FBI terrorist nego- hostage negotiator. And, oh, I thought you said he was a FBI terrorist. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, they're all terrorists in my book, but yes. <laughs> but but it, it, the book is really good cuz all of his negotiation is based on like the empathetic lens and everything like that. Um but while people are trying to learn these skills, in your book, you had some, some different options that people can actually use where people will actually negotiate and save you money for you. Um, which, yeah. and, and, and I think uh, I, I was not actually familiar with these services. I know my buddy actually does that for businesses now um, because we worked in telecom, so he got hired by this company, and, they, and that's what they do, like IT, and they negotiate bills down because we know... Because we knew how we were ripping off companies when we worked in telecom, and right, so right. now we go on the other ends. So that's what he does. But um, yeah, did you did you negotiate a lot of these for yourself, or was it one of those things that's like you know what I'm, I'm going to leave this up to professionals? Or well, when it came to my certain situation, uh, because of the way um, our utilities are set up, I couldn't negotiate the utilities. So I just had to make more money and pay them. But, um, <laughs> but uh, certain certain um, debts that I had, um, and it was like micro debts, I guess, like personal debts. I was able to negotiate them with, like I said, soap and stuff like that. So I owed this guy um, $100. And 
Instead, I gave him fifty dollars in negotiation. I negotiated fifty dollars and then fifty dollars worth of soap, stuff like that. So, um, but as far as institutionally, um, I I really keep my expenses low. So all of my expenses, you know, um, like I don't have any like major subscriptions or anything like that. Um, so I never really had to negotiate. Uh, I got those like bill cutters and things of that nature from um, a friend and he told me about it and, and uh, he said that they, you know, helped with his uh, cell phone bill, it helped with his cable bill and, you know, he was telling me about it. So I, I put it in the book because I figured it would actually help. But like I said, my utilities, I tried it back then when he first um, suggested it. I tried it for my um, electricity bill and it, it didn't work for me because of the way like the way um, Pennsylvania set up. But it was a great resource, and um, the people that read it, they said they they've been able to use it for like some certain things similar, like uh, certain medical bills, cell phone bills, and things of that nature too. So uh, yeah, negotiating your bills if you can—that's huge, huge. Negotiating any of your debts if you can talk to the people, your your uh, your creditors, and 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 see what you guys can work out. Absolutely do that. It's no shame in your game in in that game. You know, extensions and all of that. Make sure that you you can make your debt repayment comfortable for you while still holding you accountable while still making sure that you're getting out of debt. You know, you don't want to make it to, you know, you don't have to pay anything, but you definitely want to make sure that you're comfortable because when you have too high debt payments, it only adds up when you got, like you said, late charges and things like that. One thing, uh, so one thing I did and I negotiated myself, um, which maybe I could have done a better job. I should have, now it's hindsight and I'll probably renegotiate once it's up, but so I did that thing where you don't file your taxes for a long time, and then I read uh, the Millionaire Next Door, and they said hire a good accountant. But I didn't really know what a good accountant was, and so I've I've paid like three accountants, and I just do TurboTax to be honest. Um, but one thing I I just called the IRS and I talked to them, and I found out if you actually file everything and you talk to them, they're not actually monsters. And they are people, and you can like negotiate if you just say this is all I can afford. That's all they charge you, and it's like it's it. And, and you can do the same thing with student. Now, I did that with my student loans. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. I, I went on. I got on the phone. And I was just like, "Hey, I can only afford." I literally said, "I can only afford twenty dollars a month," and they was like, "Okay." <laughs> now, so like my student loan payments are like twenty five dollars a month. Yeah, because their goal is just yeah. to get something from you. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think a lot of times we get really intimidated and because we're like, oh, there's these big institutions and I owe them all this money. And the bottom line is is that they need you to pay on that money because if you're not paying on that debt, then it's worthless to them. Right, and, exactly. And, That's where they get their money from. They get money from the interest and the payments and the fees. And if you're just being inactive, that's why you get the emails. You know, <laughs> like, That's why you get all of the correspondence. It's like, hey, yo, we need ours. And that's pretty much all America is. America just wants their peace. Yeah. That's it. Uncle Sam, when he wants his, no matter, you can make as much money as you want, any way you want, really. You know, a lot of, like, there's a clip um, of Batman, you know, of the Joker talking about, you know, he's a psychopath. Yeah. He was still paying his taxes. He was like, I'm crazy, but I'm not crazy enough to go against the IRS. (laughs) Like, if the Joker is paying taxes, you feel me, like, you know. You got to pay attention to that and make sure that you won't, you, you know, crossing all your T's and dotting your I's for sure. Absolutely. Um, now, the, the hustles, this is something that I never, your side hustles, what I was refreshed about was it wasn't Uber and all that stuff. And I've done, <laughs> I, I've done skip the dishes and then skip the dishes. So when I was, when I was on my journey to like get this business, so this is my main income, I knew I needed some hustles and I was, I still had, I'd add so much unemployment, and I knew if I got a 1099, I could kind of cheat the system, but not not really. I could double dip and not. They only come after you if you have a W-2. They can't really prove when you made that income when you have it because they send you a 1099 too. Right. Um, so, and also, I was just trying to see if I could do it. So I started doing. So when unemployment had run out, I started doing skip the dishes again. I was making about 20 bucks an hour. Um, but then I found a, a pizza shop, like just because I, de- I, I did a delivery and then I started, uh, um, I, the guy was just happy because I, I was 
I actually showed up with like the, the hot bag because I don't know these like food convenient things, which also is a great way to, to spend too much money is ordering Uber Eats and all that shit. Um, but like they uh, basically I showed up with a hot bag and most people that do that stuff don't. And so he was like, oh, you, you know, you didn't crash into my food truck like the guy from Somalia did or something like that. And then so he gave me a job. And, uh, and it, it, and the guy and I worked something out. So I was like, well, listen, I just give me a 1099 and just pay me cash. And he was yeah. like, yeah, that's totally cool. And so that, and that way I could not, I could stay with that. And then it was, then I could track all my miles and everything like that. But had I thought clean up parking lots and realized how much money you could make for cleaning up a parking lot, I would have totally done that instead of delivered food. I mean, it, it actually helped out for me delivering food because of me selling to restaurants. Mm. But man, to spend a couple hours and make a couple hundred bucks cleaning up a parking lot, I didn't even know. I didn't even know you could do that. Hey, listen, I got introduced to that um, because I worked for a, a marketing firm, right? Direct marketing. I was going door to door, and the dude who owned the company paid well below what I was telling people to charge. <laughs> right, right in the book to clean this entire parking lot. So, um, I talked to him about it. He was, you know, I didn't, I didn't clean his parking lot or whatever, but then I got in tune with, you know, what I would need, how much is the going rate for like people who quote unquote professionally clean parking lots and things of that nature. And I was like, yo, this is, this is a good hustle. Now cleaning has always been one of my favorite hustles. Um, my, my, I guess my origin story when it came to my cleaner hustle was my mom and I, we cleaned up, um, we had contracts with apartment complexes and cleaned their units, the move, the newly moved out units. So the units that were about to be, you know, um, occupied by new tenants, we would go in and clean up from top to bottom. And it was perfect because one, we didn't ever have to deal with furniture. We never had to deal with any tenants and we never had to deal with even the property manager because we did it at night. So we would have our own key to the units and we would clean them. We did we did um, apartment complexes and then we also did commercial complexes as well. So we did offices, we did apartments, and literally we would charge between $250 and $500 a unit. So when you're talking about uh, a 10-unit deal or a 20-unit deal, we're racking every day because these things have to be clean like, the way it happens is like it's a high turnover rate in certain areas. So you'll have people moving in and out all of the time or companies moving in and out all the time or just have new development in an area where they're always building new apartment complexes, et cetera, et cetera. And then you start getting a lot more business and you start seeing that you're making $5,000 a week from, from an hour per unit. And you do maybe two or three units in a night. So, you know, you, you start seeing the money coming in and, um, that was something that I always felt was a great hustle. People do, it's weird. People like convenience. They pay for convenience. So, hey, if they want you to clean their apartment, if you want, if they want you to clean their home, clean their parking lot, do it and charge them for it. And it's a sweet deal. It's a sweet deal. Park, cleaning parking lots, cleaning apartments, and cleaning um, offices is definitely one of my top favorite hustles for sure. Excellent. Um, the next one, which is what we said we were going to get to, Alternative cell phone care. Well, the English speaking, I've thought about doing that. I thought that's that's a great resource. Um, I I never thought to. I know my friend. She was she was making really good money in Korea, like she had moved to South Korea and was doing that. But you could do that here too. I think especially too, like uh, Columbus. We're not officially a sanctuary city, but we we are right behind Minneapolis. We're like the third densest Somali population. We have a pretty good sized uh, Mexican population, Chinese population. Like we're pretty, we're pretty, uh, we're pretty diverse melting pot in this city. And never thought of doing this. Never thought of I could teach English. Um, and I didn't realize how much money you could make twenty bucks an hour to teach kids English. Um, that's pretty crazy. So you've now you've did you do this or is this some another? Another recommendation. I think you said you did it in here. Say it again. Did you did you sign up to teach English or or was this a recommendation from a friend? No, I didn't do it. Um, but what I did do was I helped I helped kids like with like homework. 
And um, so it was like high school kids and stuff like that. Once I was like, I was about what, 19, 20 years old. Um, I was helping high school kids with their homework um, just because, you know, they were like the, the younger brothers and sisters of the people that I knew. So I was helping them out. And it was for a small fee. It's my, the reason why I listed those things was to pretty much showcase that there are things that you have inherently yeah. uh, easy for you that people, you know, don't have. And they will, try, you know, they will pay to learn it. And it's not that, you, you know, you're scamming them or something. You actually just were born speaking English. You yeah. were proficient at math. You read well. Those are skills that you have. And that's why I try to tell people like you can monetize your lifestyle. No matter what it is, you can find a way to offer it to somebody in a way that it will bring them value. So the relationship is that when people buy something, they buy it because they believe that that product is worth as much or more than the money that they're about to give for that product. So based upon that, if the need to learn how to speak English or do math well, it, it, it's worth to them $50, $75, $100 a session, then don't feel bad about that if, you, if you're charging that price. And what you'll find is that not only are you making money, you're still helping this person. You're still exchanging for a good or a service. A lot of people get profit and they, they feel bad about making profit off of stuff like that. One of my friends... Um, Lillian, she she did a, an amazing wholesale deal on a real estate deal, and it was an older lady that she did it with. And even though the reality that this older woman was extremely grateful that my she was able to get, her, you know, Lil, my friend Lil was able to get her out of the home and get into a nice spot, like nicer spot that was more feasible for her. People looking outside, looking in, thought that she scammed this old lady because she made a profit off of her, you know, selling her house. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the ideology that people walk around with, that profit is some, some, somehow bad. And that stops them from charging, cheap teaching English. It stops them from charging to walk a dog. Then you'll look around and you'll see companies like WAG make, you know, a multi-million dollar company off of dog walking. Yeah. Then you'll talk to the average dog walker in New York City and they'll tell you that they make very, very great money. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You're talking about five thousand dollars a month for walking dogs. Yeah. So it's like you have to, you know, start monetizing your lifestyle. What are you good at? What do you just do for 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 fun? And and monetize and monetize it. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I, I that's what I think and that's why I kinda wanted to get into that, uh why I brought that up is because it was like people think that you have to go sign up and use somebody else's brand to have a side hustle but you, you just don't like you really don't um yeah i'm trying to good on her for wholesaling man i almost had a wholesaling deal and then the lady she got spooked um because she was overwhelmed so i got to send her like some uh i need to send her like a fruit basket or something and just say hey how are you doing i hope you're doing well um and just be a real person i think that's the thing too is a lot of the thing too with like wholesaling and um i'm a big advocate for people to go to like check out at like a real estate um they're not not every ria is a good organization but a real estate investors association it's a great place to network and you can get a really inexpensive real estate education so and i think if people in general i mean you, you do want to be diversified but man owning land in this country i think it's um i, th- I think it's I don't know. For me, it with the farm, it makes the most sense because I've seen a lot of people that where they say, "Oh, rent land from other people or lease land," and they just lose everything that they've worked hard for. Um, so I, 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 I'm not an advocate of of that, but I think um, you know, learning the real estate laws of of this country and what what kind of freedoms actually you have, or like how to build up your retirement money without paying any taxes. I think it's a good place to go to try to learn that stuff. So, um, so I'm glad you brought up wholesaling too, because it is like it's something people think is illegal, and it's not illegal. It's totally legal. <laughs> and like realtor, everyone thinks you can only make money in real estate if you're a realtor, and it's uh, it's crazy. I got I, I had a guy. Um, I'm going to release his podcast probably after our years, and he's a landlord, and he's got like 40 units, and most of his money comes from Section Eight because he can deal with bu- bureaucracy. And he was in the military for a while, and he's like, "It's yeah, a lot of people, a lot of uh, real estate investors like the uh, just the guarantee cash of 
cash flow of um section eight properties you know what i'm saying so yeah I, so, I i like it I, I i don't know i think i'd rather i kind of i'm trying to do this so I'm, I'm trying to get another house to expand the farm and it's just like if i can keep having my farm cash flow properties i'm gonna do that because it's it's less expensive than me renting out a commercial space like to just have two houses in like my neighborhood like my house is forty five thousand dollars so it's it's and it's also cheaper than renting so it's like uh i don't know so i'm i'm that's the nice thing about ohio is it's we're not that expensive here i'm sure i, I doubt you how much i mean real estate in philly i'm guessing is a lot more than forty five thousand dollars in a rough neighborhood right yeah i mean it's between that and like 60 okay so it's about the same okay yeah, yeah. well so this is something you said we were going to get into and it's about food and um being being poor with your with your eating it leads to being poor with your money right and so, um go ahead i'm sorry oh no i was just gonna get into that because meal prep um and, and instead of buying a lunch but i think it's for me personally when i have when I have a good relationship with my kitchen and means that I'm in there cooking, I'm healthier, I I feel better, I think clearer, and I have a lot more money because I'm not spending it out to eat. So that's in my personal experience. And staying disciplined with that is, is very challenging. Um, so I was going to let you let you take over from there, Doe. Yeah, so um, since I've, I've been going to the gym for about like eight weeks straight, now I've always known to you do you know health things i just never worked out consistently it just was a problem for me right and i gained weight because of it i got super fat because of it and i was super unhealthy because of it however when i started to make more money and i started to see what it took for me to make more money and then what it took for me to wake up and go to the gym every day i saw that it pretty much is the same thing and i i it can i concluded that finance and fitness are pretty much the same thing. It takes the same level of determination. It takes the same level of planning. It takes the same level of discipline. It takes the same level of um, work ethic. All of these things go into uh, a fitness lifestyle, you know, a fit lifestyle and uh, a financially independent lifestyle. What I've learned when you think when you think about the worst thing that you could do with your money, right? Impulse purchases and predatory loans and things of that nature. Though those two expenditures are directly linked to the way your body functions. Period. From from a physical and a mental level. When you are dealing with a, a low income job or a low income situation, you're going to be preyed upon and more likely to need a payday loan or so you think based upon your lifestyle now this lifestyle teaches you not teaches you but it definitely influences you to eat your feelings so you know feel better about yourself through the food that you eat pick up a vice cigarettes alcohol weed coke pills uh what have you and then you're not active however on the flip side if you say you know what I don't need any more money because all I need this payday loan is because I'm going to just use this money to go spend it on something. No, I will sacrifice going out the next few weekends. I will sacrifice uh, eating out the next few months. I will sacrifice all of the unhealthy things that I'm doing in my life to gain more health and then not only gain more health, but gain more wealth. It coincides with each other. When you stop eating out, as much you save the money that you was going to you know use on eating out and then you save your body the work it needs to fight off that fat it works hand in hand it happens every time for every meal that you skip you skip the month you save the money that you was going to spend on that meal so when you accumulate those meals over time just like when you ate them and spent on them it adds the weight it adds the debt it adds the you know uh the amount of money that's being taken out of your account when you completely reverse that guess what happens you get thinner you get more fit. You start thinking better. You start uh, being more lively. You start more. You start being more positive. You start looking for more ways to make money or be uh, healthier. You start saving more money or stacking more money. You start thinking of ways to have your money make more money for you. You don't see too many. And I know people like to have those stereotypes in their mind about the fat CEO who doesn't 
care. But for the most part, high income people are healthy. For the most part, people who deal with their finances properly deal with their bodies just the same because you really can't have health without wealth. You can't have wealth without health. Excuse me. So at the end of the day, when you start being more disciplined about your finances, you'll see that it actually coincides with being more disciplined uh, with, with your life overall, your food, your, your, your sleep patterns. Um, like I said, your thoughts, the things that you do on a daily basis, you know, do you approach the day complaining about it or do you approach the day being excited that you can actually get things done? Do you resent your family or are you happy that you can learn new things and have a better relationship? Are you more prone to focus on the problems or more prone to focus on the solution? All of those things are attached. Everything starts in the mind, but all of those things are attached with your, your work ethic, your determination and your discipline with your, with your fitness and your finance. Facts. Excellent. Excellent. I, I agree. I think the most, yeah, I think when I'm most disciplined with my money is also when I start, okay, I'm going to start paying attention to my food because it's all, it's all tied in. That's all. You got to have a healthy relationship with your money too. You got it. And I think a lot of, I think that's like, uh, I think for me, what, and I don't know, it sounds like it was similar for you. It was like, I need to change my relationship with certain things. And I think that's, that's the way to, that's the way to do it. They're, they're definitely tied together. Which uh, you got to save yourself from yourself, which is I think you just covered. Um, and then the, uh, and I think that's kind of it on your book. I think you you have some other options about uh, investing, um, but I think people should buy your book to learn about that because I think they're great. Yeah, strategies. for sure, sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I had a bunch of things you guys can learn as far as investing in there. Yeah, and I and and there are some good ideas too that were just so simple. Um, that it's like, man, why have I not done this with my closest friends, the, uh, <laughs> the investment group. And I, that one was like, man, this is, it's such a fucking no brainer. I'm trying to get houses when I'm worried about why well, you have to find the right deal so I can get somebody to finance it versus like, man, why do I need to include other people? Like I include other people if they can help me. Um, but like, why not include my five, like five of my closest friends or people that have similar interests? And I think that's, you know, I, I think that it kind of goes with um, a philosophy that I, I have as well as having, you know, having your lifestyle kind of pay for itself in a sense. Like you like leverage what you know, who you know. And I think that's that's the the investment group to me is like the ultimate. That's kind of like the ultimate um collaboration for that absolutely i love investment groups i'm i'm in several of them <laughs> like I, I love them man like you you get to um tap into different social groups and, and the things that they um are invested in you get to tap into how people you know feel about the future in certain markets and you also get to make money too you know what I'm saying so yeah at the end of the day you know that of course you know hotep has one you know we've been investing with each other you know, for a while now. And what we are finding now is just that when it's so much easier to do it as a collective. Wealth building is a team sport. So many people rack their brains to try to do all of this stuff on their own. And I don't. I do not. I have no problem paying people to do stuff for me. I have no problem being paid to do stuff for other people if, if I would much rather do that job. So what happens is it's easy for a group of people to be like, okay, I'm going to do this and one through ten, we're all going to have these roles. And we all contribute this amount of money every week, every month, or whatever. And then we use that those collective funds to invest in X, Y, and Z. And that's essentially how it goes. Like, it's not as difficult as people make it seem. You know, uh, Killer Mike, on an interview when he was on The Breakfast Club, he was making a point about that. He was like, yo, five random white guys came on, on this random block in Atlanta and bought this block. That was it. It was it wasn't some big elaborate scheme. They barely knew each other. They all just had capital and a, a, a shared vision of what they wanted for that block. And they invested in it. I, I've, I'm currently in about three different real estate deals just based upon my friendships, just based upon the people that I know. And they're like, yo, doe, yo, I want to get you in on this. You know, if you just put this X amount of thousand in here, we could get you here for this X amount of percent. And that's good for me. I have no problem. I don't. I would much rather, you know, ten percent of a billion than a hundred percent of, you know, a hundred thousand. 
You see what I'm saying? That's that's the way I look at it. So I would much rather just collaborate with people now, not only that I rock with, but I trust with money and I trust with, you know, with our business and we can profit. So many groups are doing this just under the radar. They don't have a huge name. They don't, you know, they don't brag or nothing like that. They are just quietly building wealth, buying up property, buying up assets, you know, having a stash of gold, having a stash of crypto, having a stash of just different asset classes that whenever one is underperforming, another one is overperforming because we've seen that too. I've been riding this, this, this market all week. I've been shorting and I've been short and long on the market all week based upon all of these tariffs and, and, and deals and all that stuff going on. So I'm, I've just been able to put myself in a position to build welfare at all times. And that's what these other groups do. So people just need to, to focus on the, like I said, the solutions, focus on the profit. Focus on building and you'll, I'm telling you, you'll find your way out. And a lot of people start thinking this stuff is cliche and so they start doing it. And you're like, yo, it really is that simple. You know, people want you to break this down into a cerebral level. It's like, yo, fam, the minute you stop believing you can't do it, the minute you believe you can do it, the minute you actually start just putting in the work, all of this stuff will start unfolding for you. The people, the reason why people keep repeating these quote unquote cliches because the shit works. Yeah. I'm telling you, like, you know what I'm saying? This shit fucking works. So I'm telling you, dub all of the shit that you was doing before. Dub all of the, the high fructose corn syrup. Dub all of the sugar. Dub all of the soy. Dub all of the things you know is costing you money and you don't need. Be honest with yourself. You know that those subscriptions that you have, you don't need. You know the food that you eat and you don't need. And you understand that your friend, even I was saying this today, if you're not the risk taker, if you're not the entrepreneur, if you're not the one who believes in, 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 in doing those types of things to build wealth, fine. Fund that person then. You have one in your group. You have the risk taker in your group. Put money behind them. Invest in them, and that way you can reap the benefits. Get equity in the people that are willing to take the risk. So that's the thing. People want to feel like you have to be one of the, um, you have to, you know, either be the entrepreneur or be the employee. You could do both. You can have stake in the company. You can believe in the future of the company while not being the CEO. You can and, and still just doing your role as an employee and get equity in those things. You do not have to take all of the risk, but you should be involved. You should not. If, you, if your um, cousin or your brother or your sister or whatever uh, is the one with, the, with the, the dream to open up a store and then be able to uh, move units and be able to build wealth off of that store, you're not the one that wants to open the store? Fine. Work inside there. Work inside there. Make sure that that business grows as big as possible. That way, you'll always have a job. See, a lot of people say, oh, you can't inherit a job. That's fine. Unless the person that you work for is somebody that's inherent to you, somebody that's in your community, somebody that you actually can negotiate and be like, yo, listen, I get equity in this business. I get equity in this position. And based upon this, we get a level of tenure and all of that. People think that you got to work for 40 years, 10 years and all this other stuff to get tenure. Nah, you can work out a deal that I've been here since the ground floor. I put shelves up in here. I've been instrumental in the growth of this business i got equity and all this other stuff and you could be there for the next 20 years and not have to worry about keeping the lights on all you would have to do is just do your job there is a role for everybody in all of this and that's my main point you do not have to be the front man you could be the dude who does the the, the uh the, the djing you could be the dude who does the website you could be the lady who does you know all of the demos and in uh live presentations everybody can have a role and not have to feel like they're stepping out of their comfort zone. And, and, and it's just very, very key for me that groups and, and communities work together to make sure that the money works for itself. Because I've seen how much wealth I could build by myself, but it is nothing in compared to the wealth that I built with my wife together, to build with my friends, to build with my other family members, people, other business associates. There's no, I couldn't make as much wealth as I did on my own as I did with all of my other associates and, and, and friends. We make tremendous amounts of money based upon us working together as a team. And I'm telling you, nobody out here is making billions of dollars without a team. Get a team, stick with your team, be consistent, discipline your dollars, and you will build wealth. I can guarantee you this. Hell yeah, man. That's a great way to, uh, I think that's a great way to close up the show. What do you think? <laughs> so follow, follow Doe Dubes. What's that? I so said you caught me in good rant mode. Hey, hey, you must have uh, you must have made a nice pot of coffee too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So everyone, get Doe Dubs' book. Um, I don't know why I said Doe Dubs. I don't. Sometimes yeah, I don't know yo, how to I'm, read. I, you know, it's the Dobbs. A lot of people think it says Dobbs because it's too. People are used to reading Dobbs when they read last names, not Dubs. Yeah. Um, that's what it is. I, you know, I charge it to your heads and not your heart. It's cool. I don't take offense. But <laughs> um, it's Doe Dubs, man. D O E D double O B S, but no B S. Yeah. You feel? Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, stop. So, when is the second edition coming out? For it's been stop out, before? beloved. You're late. You're late. It's been out. Oh, it's damn. It was on pre-order for three weeks. No, I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's out now. You guys get um, uh, stop being poor. First edition, second edition. Shop at lowlando.com. That's l o l a a n d d o e dot com. Uh, if you are like-minded, like myself like drew and you want to be um a part of a nation who moves with finance who moves with health and wealth who moves with all of the things that you see us talk about on the top on every day come through the hotel nation you know the dig if you want to learn how to trade options sign up with options game there's so many things you could be doing right now to better your life get with my network get with those dudes man follow me on twitter d-o-e-d-o-o-b-s man we're gonna get you right man we we taking it to a whole other level, man, for real. Build wealth and health every day of your life. Hell yeah. Well, thank you so much, Doe, for coming on the show, man. Hopefully I can get you on again soon. Um, and we can talk about some other stuff, man. For sure, man, Drew. Thank you so much for having me, man. No problem.